G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, the 2019 World Congress of Families was held in Verona, Italy, just two or three weeks ago, just on the end of March. The conference took place under the motto, The Winds of Change, Europe and the Global Pro-Family Movement. More than 800 people gathered over three days to discuss and determine new ways to defend family and life. When they stage a World Congress, it is a major international public event. It seeks to unite and equip leaders, organisations and families to affirm, celebrate and defend the natural family as the only fundamental and sustainable unit of society. Well, Damien Wilde, who leads the Australian Family Coalition, was not only a delegate to the conference, but he was also one of the speakers. And he's joining us to give us a little update as to how things went. Uh, Damien, a special welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Damien, uh, just two or three weeks ago, uh, you're probably still getting over the jet lag, but you were one of the speakers at the World Congress of Families. Uh, Give us a little insight into what you brought to the table. Well, in terms of jet lag, Neil, it certainly is a long haul across to Europe. It had been many years since I last visited, but uh, what can I say? The the excitement sort of made up for it. Um, Look, it was a fantastic experience, as you said, to have so many people from all corners of the world uh, united in this common cause, that is, looking at how we can... Uh, better protect, preserve and promote the family. Um, My own um, contribution that you mentioned before, uh, they got me to share on the topic of uh, marriage. So I was able to share with them uh, our own experiences here in Australia over the last couple of years, not all of which were obviously good, but in such a way that they hopefully took something away from that, whether their own country has already sought to redefine marriage or whether they still maintain that traditional definition, Um, hopefully some, some learnings and experiences for them. But at the end of the conference, um, to have everyone sort of return to their countries um, <clears throat> with a very firm goal in mind of uh, seeking to um, effect good government policy on, on the family going forward. And reminding listeners too that, Damien, you had a leading role in the No campaign when Australia was going through its own vote uh, on issues to do with same-sex marriage and the redefinition of marriage. When we talk about the context of what's happened in Australia and things that are going on around the world, is the rest of the world dealing with the sorts of issues that we are now on the back of the sorts of things that have happened with marriage in Australia and now the rise of transgenderism and all of these uh, sorts of uh, different ways of looking at uh, how people relate together? What's our context compared to the rest of the world? It's a really interesting question, Neil, because in one sense, you know, we're not alone. We're not an orphan in that regard. Uh, the winds, as you mentioned before, blow both ways. And, you know, it sort of seems that when some countries, you know, sneeze, Australia catches a cold. Um, that's certainly true on, on social issues. But at the same time, there are many countries resisting some of these moves uh, and, in fact, some reversing some of these trends. Um, particularly in Eastern Europe, uh, countries like Hungary and Poland have been very firm defenders of the family structure over the last few years. So 
Well, in one sense, uh, Australia is part of a much broader international debate, and that's a key reason that we were uh, keen to be at this conference. It's it's also encouraging to know that not everyone's necessarily heading down some of the same paths we are. There is a real wind of change, as the theme of the conference was, with many countries taking a step back and saying, look, the family is a tried and tested structure. You know, we, we muck around with it at our, at our peril. Um, is there a different way of doing things? I guess we have this Aussie attitude, don't we? Uh, she'll be right, and uh, it might be a bit of controversy, it'll blow over. Uh, I wonder whether your perspectives on what's happening and what you heard at the World Congress of Families, uh, whether others are thinking along those sorts of lines, it'll blow over, she'll be right, or whether there's a sort of an activist uh, type of uh, urgency about defending the natural family. What are your thoughts here, Damien? Well, it was interesting in that regard, Neil, to see some of the more Western-leaning countries. Um, we, we have to look a little bit outside the English-speaking world, but still very very much within a Western or, a, in this instance, a European context, to see some countries that have sort of embarked down the same path we have that are now starting to have that sense of urgency in, in addressing these issues. The people can all too quickly say, well, Poland and Hungary are not typical examples um, they are sort of Central and Eastern European countries which spent decades under communism. It might perhaps be natural that they react in the way they are. But the host country, Italy, was a fascinating one because they have a relatively new government there and despite much criticism, the Italian Deputy Prime Minister, Salvaio Martini, actually came along and addressed the conference himself. Um, he made his views on the family very clear. Um, he did not professed to be any sort of saint in that regard. He talked about his own difficulties. He spoke from the heart and talked about his own family breakdown. But at the end of it, he said, look, these things matter. He said, because I'm not a parent one, I'm not a parent two, I'm a father, and unashamedly so. And, and someone threw him from the crowd impromptu, um, one of those T-shirts you might have seen uh, with a sort of stick figure of the family and okay. completely unasked for he put yeah. it on in front of the crowd of about a 1,000 people and <laughs> right. thunderous applause. But the point being that um, these sort of countries are taking these things seriously now. And I've been told just this morning, as a result of the World Congress, that Italy is now preparing a whole raft of legislation in support of, of family working hours and even uh, to take these sorts of issues to the next level and try to get the whole EU to adopt them, which is a fantastic out outcome. Well, of course, marriage fundamental as a cornerstone in the way that a society works and undoubtedly uh, where they tackled issues at the World Congress of Families around children's rights or women's dignity and health. Uh, uh, even uh, as one of the uh, one of the titles that I saw, uh, the legal defence of life and family. Uh, these are all important elements of how families function and not just for a generation now, but for a sustainable family function for a sustainable society into the future. These sorts of things are important. It's not just about what a few people feel now, but what's right for a long-term future. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, Damien, about whether we're getting that right in Australia? Are we, uh, are we just sort of pandering to the now, or are we thinking about the future, do you think? We certainly don't, as a country, um, and I think both sides of politics are at fault here, we don't have that proper long-term view of the family uh, and, and its consequences for society. Um, one of the big things discussed at the conference was the issue of demographics and demographic decline. 
Australia perhaps hasn't noticed that yet uh, in the same way that much of the Western world and even other developed countries like Japan have, where birth rates are declining in a very serious way. People wonder whether and how it can be turned around. Australia, I think, is still in a, a wonderful position of being able to do, to do something to address it, if it so chose. I mean, during the Howard era, we saw the birth rate, for example, climb from 1.7 to 1.9 something in just a decade or so. But we've since fallen again. And obviously, you're probably aware that replacement level alone is 2.1. So Australia is still nowhere near that level. Uh, and that has consequences for not just fuzzy abstract terms like family and society, but even things like our economy. They rely very much on, on us addressing those issues. So to have them addressed at World Congress was, I think, a very useful thing, but we really need countries like Australia to, to look to those policies for the future. Damien, I'm not hearing a lot of discussion so far in the election campaign from really any side, uh, all about families and plans for the future and how that affects us economically, how that affects us socially. And uh, I know that there's nothing hidden in the way that you approach uh, how uh, Aussies ought to be thinking about the upcoming election. In fact, uh, you've been so open as to say if we don't act, uh, of course, with the election coming up, we may wake up on the 19th of May, uh, the day after the election, to the most anti-life, anti-family and anti-freedom parliament that we've ever seen. Enlarge a little on what's at risk with the upcoming election. Well, Neil, there are several issues in play here that have been campaigned on openly and brazenly, but at the same time are not uh, leading the debate, as you might imagine. You know, we're seeing the the campaign being fought on issues like tax, superannuation, uh, the environment, and there's nothing wrong with that. But these issues that are there underlying, namely, I think, um, for people concerned about the future of family and faith in this country, issues like abortion, issues like gender ideology, particularly in classrooms, and finally on our freedoms. I mean, just picking on the latter as one example, the last week has been shocking for anybody who's a, an observer of the state of our freedoms in this country, whether you're looking at the High Court decision over Cathy Club and Graham Preston, whether you're looking at the treatment of Israel Folau, um, these things don't happen in a vacuum. This is where our society is at at the moment. And if we don't do something to try and preserve our freedoms, then come the 19th of May, as, as you quoted me on, I think we're suddenly going to find ourselves in the terrible situation of having a parliament that will not only act, sorry, not only refuse to act on these issues, but may well chip away at our free, freedoms sooner rather than later. Damien, what it appears to me, if we looked at the current government, a coalition government, uh, without the strength of character to defend those freedoms, uh, that's challenging. And then you have the other side, the Labor government, that actually has, as you say, quite brazenly, openly, has said they're going to cause whatever freedoms, uh, when it comes to family, faith and freedom that we do have, to be watered down all the more. It seems to be that we're in a very hard place. Uh, but, uh, but you know, your your thoughts about about how people thinking about how they'll cast their vote on election day ought to be thinking deeply about these social issues. Well, you're quite right, Neil. Um, and, you know, to comment on these things without fear or favour, it has been a shame that the current government hasn't done a lot more in this regard. We were promised more and we, we've yet to see it. But in terms of how people should weigh it up, 
I've heard a lot of good discussion about looking at your local candidate. I would also encourage people to look at the two major parties because even if you find one uh, less than ideal, um, the Labor Party has nevertheless actually made these three issues a part of its campaign platform. So they have said that if they take power, they will do things like coerce states and territories through use of federal funding over abortion. Um, they will reintroduce programs like Safe Schools or something equivalent into our children's classrooms. So it's certainly important to look at where your local candidate stands and make your views very clear to that person. Um, but also, at the end of the day, to look at where the, the two major parties sit in terms of their platform and also consider your vote in the Senate very strongly um, <clears throat> because we see a variety of political persuasions there, not simply the two major parties. <coughs> um, and it's important that we have people there who will review all of this legislation very thoroughly. Damien, a lot of people have been, uh, I guess, uh, prodded of recent times as to what they can do in the election campaign. Sometimes we're thinking, I can't wait till it's all over. Uh, others are saying, well, maybe I can do my little bit. What are you asking for people to do uh, in your role uh, leading the Australian Family Coalition? And uh, you're talking about some pretty serious uh, social issues here that aren't cutting through and making the headlines. Uh, what are you calling people to do uh, to be uh, at least some way proactive in the lead up to the election? There's a few different things we're asking people to do, Neil, and I won't, I won't shy away from saying this one thing we have been doing in the last week, uh, aside from trying to provide some support for Israel Folau, has been to launch uh, a campaign fighting fund because we believe that new media, uh, social media, provides us a wonderful opportunity to cut through to some key demographics with the sort of messages we've just been discussing. <clears throat> the other thing, Neil... Uh, which we'll be releasing in, in the coming weeks, particularly once uh, some more of the candidates for the election are known, is a way by which um, grassroots Australians can contact their candidates to put them on notice before the election, because as you said, it's it's too much to wait until after the fact uh, and just to see who we get. Um, we really need to let these people know that there is a key section of the community that cares about these issues and to put them on notice now, because come 18th, 19th of May, Many of these people will be elected to Parliament. They will be our policy makers for the future. Uh, it's important to let them know that we are here and we're not going away. Well, let me point people to the website where people can be in contact with you personally, Damien, and uh, and perhaps even to uh, catch a hold of uh, you know some sort of subscription to some of the releases you're doing, uh, encouraging people around these issues. Ostfamily.com.au. That's ostfamily.com.au. That's the website of the Australian Family Coalition. Damien Wilde leads the Australian Family Coalition and doing some important work here in Australia. Uh, Damien, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with our listeners today on 2020. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.